Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text, Ezekiel chapter 39, really pairs well with yesterday's and uh, chapter 38. You could almost leave them together as one one group, but let's go ahead and, and dig in. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn you about and drive you forward and bring you up from the uttermost parts of the north and lead you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will strike your bow from your left hand and will make your arrows drop out of your right hand. You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your hordes and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall in the open field, for I have spoken, declares the Lord Yahweh. I will send fire on Magog and on those who dwell securely in the coastlands, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. And my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profaned any more. And the nations shall know that I am Yahweh, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is coming, and it will be brought about, declares the Lord Yahweh. That is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and make fires of the weapons and burn them, shields and bucklers, bow and arrows, clubs and spears, and they will make fires of them for seven years, so that they will not need to take wood out of the field or cut down any out of the forest, for they will, have, they will make their fires of the weapons. They will seize the spoil of those who despoiled them and plunder those who plundered them, declares the Lord Yahweh. On that day I will give to Gog a place for burial in Israel, the valley of the travelers, east of the sea. It will block the travelers, for there Gog and all his multitude will be buried. It will be called the valley of Haman Gog. For seven months the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. And all the people of the land will bury them, and it will bring them renown on the day that I show my glory, declares the Lord Yahweh. They will set apart men to travel through the land regularly and bury those travelers remaining on the face of the land so as to cleanse it. At the end of seven months they will make their search. And when these travel through the land and anyone sees a human bone, then he shall set up a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamon Gog. Hamona is also the name of the city. Thus they shall cleanse the land. As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord Yahweh, speak to the birds of every sort and to all the beasts of the field. Assemble and come, gather from all around to the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you, a great sacrificial feast on the mountains of Israel. And you shall eat flesh and drink blood, you shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of earth, of rams, of lambs, and of he-goats, of bulls, all of them fat beasts of Bashan, and you shall eat fat till you are filled, and drink blood till you are drunk at the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. And you shall be filled at my table with horses and charioteers, with mighty men and all kinds of warriors, declares the Lord Yahweh. And I will set my glory among the nations, and all the nations shall see my judgment that I have ex executed, and my hand that I have laid on them. The house of Israel shall know that I am Yahweh their God from that day forward. And the nations shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they dealt so treacherously with me, that I hid my face from them and gave them into the, the hand of their adversaries, and they all fell by the sword. I dealt with them according to their uncleanness and their transgressions, and hid my face from them. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. They shall forget their shame and all the treachery they have practiced against me when they dwell securely in their land with none to make them afraid. When I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them from their enemies' lands and through them have vindicated my holiness in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am Yahweh their God, because I sent them into exile among the nations and then assembled them into their own land. I will leave none of them remaining among the nations any more, and I will not hide my face any more from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. So as a reminder of our text yesterday, we had essentially the answer to the question, can God's servant David, which is Jesus, can Jesus reign forever? Can he reign even against evil and the enemies of God? And the answer to that is yes, the Lord can and has defeated evil. So we see the evil alliance of Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tubal, and we're reminded of them here immediately at the start of this chapter. Um, although I guess the, the name Magog doesn't show up until verse 6. But, you know, verse 1 includes the other three. So we've got this alliance of evil that is seeking to destroy God's people. And the Lord is going to fight against. He's actually going to, in verse 2, set the stage for the battle, right? For the final battle. He's going to turn them about. He's going to bring them out. He's going to lead them against Israel. So the Lord is gathering evil together so that he may cleanse it from the land altogether. That actually strikes me as one of Jesus' parables. The parable of the weeds that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 24 to 30, where the enemy has snuck in and sown the, the bad seed among his crop, and it's growing up together. So you've got Christians, the faithful and the unfaithful, living in the land together. And the master, the farmer, his servants ask him, the men that work his field, ask the master, after he reveals this, do you want us to go out and gather them? So do you want us to pluck up the evil and get rid of it? And the master, God's response is, no lest as you gather the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. At the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, gather the wheat into my barn. So, very similar picture from Christ there in Matthew 13 that the Lord will actually gather together at the final day. He will gather together all of the those who are opposed to him um, in that moment and he will gather together all who are with him and they will be brought into paradise. So we see this, this gathering together of the evil forces right here in verse 2. But then immediately verse 3, what does he do? He strikes the bow from their hand. He disarms them. They are weaponless. And I mentioned yesterday that there are two spots in Revelation where the final battle is detailed for us, and you think it's going to be this grand-scale event, and it's not. Let me read those to you. I didn't share them yesterday, but they are Revelation chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, and Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 10. You know, I almost feel like I'm going to spend more time reading from the New Testament, especially Revelation, in our study today. But that's all right. So here's Revelation 19. I saw the beast, that would be the devil, and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army, that would be Jesus, and the church. 
And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. That's it, right? Final battle, you get this big scene, the beasts and the kings of the earth all gathered armies together, and what happens? The beast was captured. There's not a detail about a fight. It's just done as soon as it begins. In chapter 20, we see something similar. Um, So what verses did I say? 7 to 10. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Do you see the picture here? That battle on the final day? Nothing to be concerned about, O Christian. God will fight for you. God is the one who is victorious, and he he will do it. He has said so. So instead, the enemies fall on the mountain. They die. And all the people who are gathered together with, with the enemy. And he gives them over to the birds of prey. Um, you know, we're going to see that down in verse 19 too. I guess 18 and 19, that the, they will eat their fill. Verse 20, they will be filled at God's table with horses and charioteers. So the animals of the earth um, eating the, the enemy that has been killed by the Lord's attack. And we saw that in verse 19 of chapter 19. I guess verse 21 of chapter 19. That the, the birds of the heavens were filled with the flesh of those who had been killed. So God's judgment there pictured again. Um, another connection for us to chapter 19 of Revelation. Now, verse 6, I will send fire on Magog, and we just saw that too, right? In Revelation 20, God pouring down fire and sulfur to destroy. Um, And on those who dwell securely in the coastlands. This is part of why we also are viewing this as as end times, right? Um, This is not just warfare. And this is God's divine judgment. Because those who are dwelling securely in the coastlands, they're not fighting against Israel, and yet God is judging them too because they, they dwell securely. They are sin, sinning by their pride, thinking that they are fine without the Lord, when indeed they are not. So, verse 7, um, again, points us to this as being the end time, right? God's name will not be profaned any longer. Is God's name profaned today? Without a doubt, all the time, um, in this evil world. And yet, that day is coming. What day? Sorry, that is verse 8. That is the day of which I have spoken. That's a question for your children. Keeping them tracking here. Which day are we talking about? We're talking about the day Christ returns. Where he comes back into his creation as he promised to take us home. Verse 9. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out. Okay, two things there. First, cities of Israel is a reference here to the church. Right? Because we're talking about the end times. And they'll go out. Right, The battle's already done, and they were hiding when the battle happened. 
much like the disciples as Jesus is crucified, right? They were hiding, but God won. And now that God is victorious, they go out. That really does fit that crucifixion picture because after Jesus rises from the dead, he sends his disciples out with the good news. That's not quite where this part's going, though, because they're going to take now all the weapons of the enemy and they're going to burn them. Um, that burning picture, of course, puts hell in mind, but it's it's not for that purpose here. It, this is divine judgment, but it's also really that picture of, of the end, the picture of paradise, like in Isaiah 9, where there's just there's not going to be any need for weapon any longer. So all the weapons are gone. So you've got all of these, which are burned, and they're burned for seven years. So that's the picture of divine judgment, right? It's a good revelation number seven. But the the evil is so numerous, so the troops were so numerous, that their weapons and shields are so numerous, that the people of Israel during that time won't have to cut down any trees to burn fire, to burn wood for a fire, because they have enough from simply burning the weapons off. Um, The picture of how great evil is in the world, indeed, how numerous it is. They will seize the spoil and plunder those who plundered them. You can connect back to the Exodus account as they left Egypt and how they plundered Egypt. But I also like Matthew 19 here, and and verse 9 in particular of that chapter. Sorry, verse 29 of that chapter, where Jesus says, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit everlasting life. So this this picture that we will seize and, and plunder points us forward to the idea that in paradise we will have more than we can imagine. And I don't say that like an earthly great abundance kind of statement. But paradise is going to be so incredibly full that we will lack nothing. So that's the picture that I want you to have in mind with that verse. All right. Um, paragraph 11, uh, verse 11's paragraph is a little tricky. Um, and I'm not sure what to do with it entirely, but here's some thoughts on the, on the paragraph. So Gog is going to be buried in the Valley of the Travelers. The Valley of the Travelers is outside the Promised Land. It is east of the Salt Sea, as you see referenced there. Um, So think of this as in the end times, right? Israel, the church, is taken to paradise. Those who are not Israel, those who are not the church, are thrown into the lake of fire, which is not in paradise, separated from God. It will block the travelers. Um, So it was the Valley of the Travelers. It's a path that the travelers have walked. They can't walk it anymore, right? This reminds me of the Luke chapter 16, verse 26, where we're told there's a giant chasm, a great chasm that separates paradise from hell that cannot be crossed. So the the judgment of God is cutting off travel between, between the places. There is no longer anything happening, any bridging of that gap. So we see a multitude of 
of Gog, Gog and his multitude will be buried. The valley of Haman, Gog, Haman is the Hebrew word for multitude. You see verse 16 says Hamona, which is also then multitude. Um, so the multitude of, of Gog, the multitude of evil will be buried here. And that again, in reference to outside of, of the promised land. For seven months, so that perfect number again that we're used to from Revelation, shorter, interestingly, shorter than the, the years of verse 9. Not sure what to make of that in particular. What you're seeing here in the rest of this paragraph, though, is essentially the idea that the dead are unclean. And we learn from Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, that nothing unclean is going to enter paradise. So the Israelites cleansing the land here. Now, if it's just meant to give us that picture, that the land is cleansed, that paradise is a clean land and nothing unclean enters, that's probably the case. Um, This is making it sound like we do that work. Could the Lord use us on the last day to cleanse the earth? That would be quite the project. Um, But I guess he could if he wanted to employ us as part of the work of his kingdom. He does it now, right? He involves us in the work of his good good will. Um, So he he certainly could then, I guess, if he wanted to. But hard to say how that's all going to play out. We don't know. All right, we move into the, the next paragraph. And we've already talked about this, that the animals will eat the flesh of those slain that connected to Revelation 19:21. So let's skip that, move to paragraph starting at verse 21. God is going to set his glory among the nations. And here we have this picture of of what happens to the nations versus what happens to Israel. Again, think of Israel as the church. So the nations are going to see the rest of the world will see God's judgment. But the house of Israel, God's people, the church will know that he is their God. So see the distinction? God's judgment up until this point, in the various places historically that Ezekiel has been speaking about, has been so that the nations will know that he is God, and that they would repent thus and believe in him. At this point, it's no longer that case, right? When you get to the last day and the judgment of God comes upon evil, you're either the evil it's coming upon or you're not. There is no chance on the last day to repent in that, in that sort of a way. Um, so there's a distinction in verses 21 and 22. Now, then we see that the nations will know of Israel's sins. Um, and God is now dealing, as God dealt with Israel for their sin, God is now going to deal with the nations on account of their sin. All right. The last paragraph, God is going to restore Israel. And again, we would talk about that as being the church. He's going to have mercy upon them. Uh, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. That's part of our regular liturgy in the church. They shall forget their shame is a good spot. You can talk to your children. Um, Do you struggle to forget the sins that you've done? Do you struggle to forget the the bad things that you have done? It's a good question. Most likely, every single person can answer yes to that, no matter how old we are, right? We remember something we did yesterday or 50 years ago, and it still eats at us. And that's the devil's work right there. 
Let me tell you, Christ has forgiven you of that sin. Uh, ask him again. I mean, you can ask for forgiveness again. You don't have to because it's already forgiven. But if you if you feel that would give you comfort, go for it. But no, the point is, ask him to help you forget. Ask him to help you overcome the devil's temptation because the devil is seeking to hold that guilt and that shame over your head so that you can't forget and that you think you're not worthy of Christ's forgiveness. Well, okay, we're not worthy of Christ's forgiveness. He gives it to us anyway. That the devil would make you think that you haven't received Christ's forgiveness, that Christ can't forgive you for this, but he already has. This is why I love um, God's own child. I gladly say it. I am baptized into Christ. The third verse there, uh, go read it. That's hymn number 594 in the Lutheran Study Bible. The Lutheran service book, our hymnal. If you're struggling with the devil attacking you on account of sins of the past that Christ has already forgiven you of, go read that verse. Fantastic. Anyway, the next thing you can then ask your children about, uh, because we've forgotten our shame and treachery, that's pointing to paradise, when they dwell securely in their land with none to make them afraid, at what point, what land is this? What land is there where we will not fear anything? Again, paradise. So God is going to, he's going to gather us. He has sent his people into exile because of their sin, but he is now redeeming them. He's bringing them back. He will leave none of them among the nations anymore because the nations are being judged. He's gathered his people together just like we said from that text in Matthew um, chapter 13's parable from before. He will not hide his face from them anymore, but will pour out his spirit upon the house of Israel, upon his church, which is a reference both to Acts 2. We could probably go to Joel 2 on that one as well. Um, That he is gathering all people reminds me of John 10, Jesus gathering all of his sheep, even those not of his sheepfold, gathering them together as one flock that has one shepherd, him, and that he leaves, you know, he he doesn't hide his face from us. Jesus does not hide his face from us. He is our good shepherd, which means he's right there present with us always, which is a promise he made to us himself right before he ascended. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.